Hi, and welcome to the Urban Guru Cafe. This week, Areti speaks with John Graven. You say about the inquiry method that there is no one to inquire, yet the inquiry still happens. When it is seen that the eye that believes it is doing the inquiry is just a simple thought with concepts supporting it, then no one uncovered the false centre of me. Can you explain how there seems to be some process going on and things are happening and yet no one is doing anything? Uh, Certainly, and I think that's a wonderful place to begin. If you look around the entire market, there's all this self-help out there and ways of becoming and gaining and getting for yourself. The first steps in uncovering the truth of that are to begin the question of who am I? And in asking who am I, what seems to occur is thoughts begin to watch themselves in a sense. And you begin to look at where this thought of me comes from and what it is. Inevitably, you end up examining what's going on in the brain or what the brain itself is. And it seems to be really nothing more than a machine where at some point when we were very little, people were looking at you going, aren't you cute? Do you want this? Are you hungry? And this basic program developed within the brain that was referencing this me, uh, whether it be about the body or about an idea of a person in the head, I don't know. But over time, this concept just developed in the brain where it became kind of like a loop in a computer so that anything that happened got run through this loop. If you stubbed your toe, then it got run through this loop, and all of a sudden, I stubbed my toe. When hunger rises in the body, it gets run through this loop, and so I'm hungry. And over time, it becomes a totally self-focused, self-centered loop, if you will, about this organism. And the search seems to come up when this organism feels like, or there's a feeling that something's missing. Something's not complete. I'm not happy. gets run through this loop, and all of a sudden, there's a me that's missing and needing something. In the beginning steps, I think I'm questioning who am I is the beginning of deconstructing that and seeing that it really is nothing more than a thought, that this person in the machine is absolutely nothing more than an idea or a concept that can't do anything. Even if uh, I asked you to put your hand on your leg and raise it, that's simple to do, but if I ask you how you did it, you wouldn't be able to tell me uh, because there really is no one doing it. It's just stimulus and response. There's many things that go on during a day that we take credit for. I think probably the most dramatic example to consider is perhaps all of us have had experiences of driving down the road, uh, perhaps losing the control of the car on ice or some car pulls out in front of you, and all of a sudden a million things are happening very quickly. You know, the, the foot goes on the brake, the car gets turned, and in a way that we can't even fathom, somehow the situation gets saved. And all of a sudden, when it's over, there's this amazement at what took place, and then immediately this concept comes in of, oh, I can't believe I did that. And the fact is, at the time, there was no you involved at all. You weren't thinking about yourself or anything else. There was a a pure response going on, but afterwards, this I comes in and claims it. In further looking at the thoughts, I think that we'll see that no one's thinking them. If I ask you to think of nothing but a table for five minutes, it's impossible because the brain's going to come up with other ideas about the thing that's on the table and where you bought it and you wish you had a different one and maybe you should move it or or it's going to move over to the chair, the room it's in or or start thinking about something 
about the football game that's coming up or something. There's no way to keep the brain still and on focus for any extended period of time because there's no one in control of it. In the first steps of the search, I think it's very important to deconstruct the idea of what this person seems to be. And in examining that, I think that most people will come to the conclusion that there is purely just an idea about me in the head that has no substance and has no validity and can't really do anything. There are many thoughts that go by that don't get the me or the I attached to them. If you're watching a movie, for example, or involved in, in some activity or some game that's being enjoyed, there can be just a flow of the activity and a pure enjoyment going on of the activity without it coming back to me. After it's over, you may say, oh, I had fun, or I really did good, or I did bad, or any kinds of things can come up after that. But on occasion, there, and, and those are the times that we seem to be most at peace, and things seem to be moving most smoothly, is when that eye is out of the way. It's when that eye gets in the way and all this extra processing comes up of what am I doing, am I doing it right, what is this person thinking of me, does this person like me, are they going to like me if I do this or that. That's where things seem to stop flowing smoothly in a sense, even though that's part of the entire processing and so even that is truly flowing smoothly, it just doesn't seem so to me. This is just a first look. I mean, this is some of the first things that are to be dealt with and truly not what the non-duality message is about. But it seems to be important to get over the idea of yourself, in a sense, where there isn't a somebody who's going to get this enlightenment thing or somebody who's going to be walking on water after they get this enlightenment thing. But for most people in the search, it is about achieving something, about getting something, because that's been what we've been conditioned for our entire lives. This is something out there to add to what I am. That's how we tend to operate. You know, there's a motivation there for me. And as long as that's in place, what's being pointed to isn't going to be seen. It's just going to be missed entirely. Because what this me is, being just a thought, cannot accumulate anything. There can be more thoughts. This concept of me can be refined, defined, changed into whatever, but that's still a change and it's something new. So it's not what's being pointed to at all. Can you talk about that idea about how when you start to look for the eye, it starts to disappear, there is no substance there, and can you also describe that process of how it is that you do this investigation of looking for an eye? I don't know that the eye ever really disappears, it's still a construct of language, if you will, so maybe it has, but the word still gets used quite frequently referring to this organism or even the words I'm hungry there's no advice a police loop in my brain that's going oh you shouldn't have said that or that's not true or whatever in more of a real sense what happens is the validity is taken away from it while things may have been I need to get this I need to do this I really want this and on and on for a lifetime it can go 
at some point, the flavor just goes out of that on investigation, where when it's seen that this me and this I is really a empty concept, that there's really nothing there, then the language may continue, and certainly the activities may continue, but it doesn't have the vested interest motivation because there really isn't anything for anyone. This me that's been identified is going to be put in the ground one day and absolutely gone, just as it does every night when we go to sleep. All of us lay down at night, sometimes during the day, take a nap, and this me concept absolutely shuts down and isn't operating, and we don't care. We enjoy it going away. But when the brain wakes up, that's one of the first things to appear. And there's an inventory of how do I feel. And on and on it goes. And I think by you know what Nisargadatta had pointed to is of questioning who am I and really, really starting to look at what the brain is referring to when it says me or I. say, yeah, but who is there to look? You ask someone to look and see and to question who am I, and they say, well, who's going to do that? Well, you know, the same person that just got through asking me what they're supposed to do. You know, as long as you think there's someone there that's searching, then try this. It'll deconstruct itself. There's nothing that I can give to you uh, to make that better. You just have to do the work for yourself. To hang up on words like that and get cute, I think, is just playing a game. I don't have a whole lot of patience for it. Someone that's wanting to play that kind of game, they're not serious. It's the same old story Coming round again You know the tide is turning So who am I? What is the brain actually referring to when we make that statement? Or when we ask that question? I think that what people will discover is that it is really just referring to a idea in the mind a thought construct, but it is based on something. Just like the word table refers to an actual thing, who am I, or I am, refers to something real, but it's something that the brain can't get around. We know that we are. There's an absolute presence that's undeniable. There's an absolute awareness that's undeniable. And so when we say I am, is that maybe what is being referred to? This absolute presence is there. But because this absolute presence can't be contained in the mind, then all of a sudden the brain starts fortifying this position of I am male, I am female, I'm happy, I'm sad, I'm this, I'm that, when really all those things are just add-ons that aren't true, that come and go over time, even over seconds or minutes, but this presence remains constant all along. So I think that what people will discover is that this I am that's undeniable, is still just an idea in the mind, but it's referring to an absolute presence that's there at all times. People in that silence of mind, it's obvious that there isn't any substance there to the eye, and then the mind will come back in and reclaim it. Like you say, you know, the thought that self-realization has or has not occurred is just mental noise. So can you talk about that? The idea that it's mental noise is absolutely clear and obvious because there isn't anyone in the machine to get anything. And that's part of the message that most seekers, I think, actually ignore. Over and over and over, the people that present this teaching say there's nothing for you to get here. You're not going to become anything. 
the only promise that's in the whole thing is that it ends the search. And the search itself is a great deal of suffering, so I think that is uh, probably the one and only benefit to the teaching. Because even with this idea of self-realization, what's happened is a deconstruction of the idea of this me, so it no longer has any validity. In a sense, there is a knowing of this absolute that's present, that you are present, you are aware at all times. But there's no one to do anything with that. If there's no person, then who gained anything? If there's no person, then who achieved anything? If there's no person, then who has anything? So anyone that would step up on the stage or in front of someone and say to them that they have achieved enlightenment is, in my opinion, very confused on what it is that's being pointed to. And very misleading. And also manipulative. It kind of presents a picture that I've achieved something and can teach you how to achieve the same thing. But yet, if we look back, it's always been the point that you are what you seek. It's already here and present right now. So if people would just stop and look, maybe deconstruct the idea of who this entity seems to be, that this me is really just a thought of my mind. And if I look at it carefully, I'll see that. Do I know what the next thought's going to be? Absolutely not. And if I don't know what my next thought is going to be, then who's thinking? And if we look to who's thinking, we find no one's thinking. So if there's no one thinking, then there's no one doing, yet the activities go on just as they have before. This is a quote from your website. What the one source is cannot be perceived or conceived, simply because there is no other to perceive the one. Would you like to add a little bit more to that? Well, sure. Let's take a little tangent into imagination for a second and pretend like that you're dreaming right now. And so your body's asleep in bed and the brain's off on this dream and there's, say, 20 people in the dream. Maybe it's a uh, graduation ceremony or a birthday party or you're at work, but there's a dozen of people around in the dream. Where are those people really? Do they exist? No, they don't. They're not real. And... Oftentimes, you can be a character in your own dream. So when you're in this dream and you're dressed up in whatever, is that character in that dream real? No. So what if one of those characters in the dream walks up to your character in the dream and says, I've achieved enlightenment and I'm going to teach you how to do it? Is anything of any value happening there at all? Is anyone going to gain anything at all? No, absolutely not, because as soon as the dream is over, those imagined persons are gone and forgotten and no one cares. Okay, so in an absolute sense, there is only one presence, one absolute presence. It's had a gazillion names to it, most common is God. So we have this absolute presence, which is absolutely beyond what anyone can conceive or imagine. The limited brains are not going to be able to fathom the infinite. But because there is one presence, and what we are is absolutely present and undeniably, that is where this message comes from, that you are that. You are that one presence. That one presence is what everything is. But there's no other to perceive that one presence, because there's only one, not two. If there were two, then there would be someone to perceive it. But there isn't. There's only one absolute presence. It's unassailable, undeniable. And it is what you are. There's no way for you, 
as this idea that we've talked about in, in the brain, this me, to get that, to perceive that. It would be like a character on the television screen saying that I know who you are sitting there watching you or watching the screen. It's not possible. I am get around the idea it's not something that is well the mind and everything appears on that so do you want to say something about that point well all that can happen is that you form a concept and lord knows we have tens of thousands of concepts out there of who we are and what we are perhaps just developing or uh, acquiring one as a religion is going to be enough for some people perhaps being an atheist is something that's going to work for someone but it's still just a concept and it's absolutely meaningless. No right, no wrong, and it's going to be buried in the ground when the person dies. So, for someone that's come upon this search, it can be a real demon to satisfy. And I think that really the only true satisfaction of the uh, question comes from direct experience. And that's why it's important, I believe, for someone that's really sincere and wanting to resolve this, to deconstruct this idea of this person, to realize that it's invalid, that there is no one in the machine, Yet the machine is going to continue on and do what it does, but there's still this presence there, and that's what they are, and that's where the peace is. That's where the love is. But it's not a peace and a love that's in the human sense. It's far beyond that. I believe and know for myself that this peace and love that is what we are is just unfathomable in its depth and its width and in all dimensions. It's just beyond what we can even comprehend. The idea that someone saw this eye is false. But it is a uh, mental reconciliation, a paradigm shift kind of event that occurs at purely a brain level through examination that this eye isn't there. And so the brain gives up on giving validity to that loop where it could have been very important previously or prior to examining that to extend one's life, to maintain ultimate health, to look for living forever to do who knows what just to protect this me so that I'm safe and I'm secure and on and on it goes. Sometimes to some very bizarre extremes and, and sometimes not so much. I, I read somewhere and I can't remember the exact quote or what it was, but it was basically how do you find the person who's self-realized in a burning building? And they're the ones that aren't panicking because there is a clear facing of the fact, you know, die before you die kind of thing, that there's no one here that was born and there's no one here that's going to die. So that vested interest, that harshness that goes on in the brain about me just loses its flavor. Not that things don't still run through it, but it's just nothing sticks there anymore. If someone has an event coming up in a week or a month or a year that they're apprehensive about, then whatever period of time it takes to get there can build huge amounts of stress and worry and concern, and the, the mind can just get totally consumed with this fear that's coming up, where if there wasn't anyone to be afraid, then nothing would have happened.
first heard these words like, look at who you are, who is this I am, I had no idea. It's like, how do you do that? And really, it's just start doing it. Ask the question, who am I? Because the brain is actually a remarkable tool. And when a question's put to it, it looks for an answer. You know, if I ask you what your favorite flavor of ice cream is, then immediately the brain goes to work. But you didn't do that. The brain did that. You know, some stimulus came in, the brain cells did their thing and returned an answer, and then you say, oh, my favorite flavor is. If I ask you to decide between black and white, the decision gets made, and then this I comes in and claims, oh, I decided. So when you sense turn this tool upon itself and say, okay, you, Mr. Brain, say that I am. All right, show this to me. Who is it you are referring to when you say I am? Kind of turned into a third-person conversation in a sense. You know, prove it to me. Show me, brain, who it is you're talking to. And then the brain tries to answer that question. And it can't. It absolutely cannot find an answer for you. No matter how often you ask it, it should be a very simple question. But the brain cannot produce an answer for you that is satisfying. And slow, in a sense, it begins to give up. I don't know how many people might have seen the movie War Games. But there was a scene at the end where they put the supercomputer to the task of playing tic-tac-toe. And it finally realized at the end that there was no way to win this, and so it gives up. And it's the same sense that with this question over and over and over, and a sincerity to it. Maybe asked intensely sometimes, other times casually, but keep the brain working on it. It'll eventually realize that there's no one there. And when that happens, then there's a letting go, a uh, minimizing of the whole me concept that's running through the brain and the suffering that goes with it exactly because if there's no one there then you know stuff happens and stuff happens that's about it you ask someone who am i and they say i'm this person that's searching say okay was this person there a year ago you know, how long has the search been going on? Well, the search has been going on for a year. Okay, so two years ago, the search wasn't there, so who were you then? What I saw for myself was that the, the person is always something different and changing. You know, when you're little, this person is totally dependent. And who knows what the thoughts are that are going through the head. But, you know, as you get a little older, it becomes more sophisticated. And playing becomes all important. And then friends, and then relationships, and then career. And, and this is what people tend to identify with as who they are. You know, I'm a husband, I'm a wife, I'm a, you know, in this career, whatever. But that isn't really true. Because if those things went away, the person would still be there. Yet, what is this person? Who is this? And it's getting beyond just a superficial answer and really get the brain put to work. You know, don't give me something that it's doing. Give me something that's real. One of the things that they often say too in non-duality is about being there with the senses wide open. So in a way, the only reality is the reality that is there prior to any interpretation that the mind can come up with. So the answer you're looking for is, is not going to be something that you find with the mind, is it? No matter what comes up, it's still just appearance. Part of the non-duality message is that anything that has a beginning also has an end. Anything that has a beginning isn't real, isn't what's being pointed to. So all of the things that the brain deals with, as far as ideas, as far as what I've got, who I've become, whatever, they had a beginning, and so they're going to have it, and they're not real. And in the book, I talk about that that is just appearance. So the idea that 
I am enlightened or that I am seeking or that I'm not interested in the whole subject is just appearance. And it's all happening within that absolute presence awareness that we are. And it doesn't define who we are. Nothing can, because there's no one there to define it. very important to get my arms around the fact that literally everything was appearance. But look at this. There is absolutely nothing that goes on that is not appearance to something. What is it appearing to? But it is all appearance. Whether it's the idea that I'm happy, it's just appearance. That I'm sad, it's just appearance. That I'm going to get something, is just appearance. That I've become something, is just appearance. That I am something, is just appearance. It's all just appearance, and it's meaningless because it's going to come and go. This whole me idea gets wrapped up in achieving and getting and then holding on to something when it's impossible. And when that's really seen, deep down, honestly seen, paradigm shift kind of seeing, there's resolution with it, there's contentment with it, and the vested interest goes away. First, we examine and uh, deconstruct this idea of me. Then we recognize that not only this me that was supposedly there, but everything, literally everything else, is just appearance. And then we say, okay, appearance to what? Appearance to what? What is perceiving? You know, this I thought cannot perceive. We say I see, but this I thought, a thought cannot perceive anything. So if it's saying I see, then it's going through that loop. It's already a brain thing. You know, seeing through the eyes is still just appearance to what? What is all this appearing to? And the best pointers are from uh, modern day would be from from Bob and people like John Wheeler and that kind of thing. And And the words presence awareness. Those are really powerful pointing words. And it isn't I am present because that's still someone trying to claim something but just an absolute presence, an unassailable, untouchable, unknowable presence that can't be brought into the brain. But it's truly there all the time, never coming, never going, never any different one day from the next, not different before the search or after the search, just an absolute, unassailable presence. And the same description would go to the words awareness. Always on, unchanging, untouchable, regardless of what the appearance is, that presence and awareness remains constant, unmoving, unchanging. And it isn't touched whether this search is completed or not. It is what you are, as best it can be pointed to. They are pointing words, they're not the absolute. They aren't the thing. They're just words, but they are pointing to something that, with giving attention to, can be recognized in a sense so that people know that there is something that is beyond what they can perceive and conceive that they are. It's obvious that I am present. But what is that presence? How could you put it into words? All we can do is say things like, it's there all the time, it doesn't move, it doesn't change, nothing touches it, doesn't seem to have a beginning and an end. And it's clear that this presence that's here is everywhere else also. 
And it's not inside me, it's not outside me. It doesn't have a location. It's not a brain thing, it's not a thought, it's beyond that. It is just impossible to frame this into words, to present the right words, for one dream character to point the way for another dream character. It's all just what's happening, but uh, for no particular reason that, that I can see. But I think for someone that really wants to finish the search and understand what this is all about, they really just need to lock on to a couple of key things, and that is the questioning of who am I, put the brain to work on it so that whole process gets completed and seeing that there really is no one here than a thought. Thoughts are referring to things. What is this I am thought referring to? And then to begin seriously considering the words like presence awareness, the pointers like presence awareness, and not to get wrapped up in trying to claim something of I am present or I am this or I am that because that's still just a brain thing that's not going to give them resolution but just a realizing that there is a presence beyond words, beyond description, beyond getting that they are. And that's what this whole message is about. I spent about an hour with Bob in Chicago, and he did that, the full stop business. And for me, the way I interpreted it, it was just like, you know, the brain was running and, and running and coming up with questions and asking things. And, and he would talk and they'd just say full stop. And that full stop to me meant, you know, just kind of like stop the activity, stop the thinking, whatever. And when that happens, there was a realization that presence, that awareness was still there. Even though the mental activity had seemed to subside, there was still this presence awareness. And to me, that's what Bob was pointing to. I mean, I, I certainly don't want to speak for him. But my understanding of what he was saying was just to, when you come to the stop, it's to recognize that there still is this presence awareness. You've been listening to The Urban Guru Cafe. The Urban Guru Cafe is produced in Australia.